Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Today, we're going to go over all the SEC bowl games, also good into the playoff bowl games, and talk about some rumors we're hearing coming out of the UT football program. So, let's start the show. All right, so before we get into the episode, have to shout out our sponsors at Bet Online. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs? You need to go to betonline.ag. So last week I gave uh, two locks of the week. I had Bills minus four over Miami, which hit. Uh, but then also had Dallas minus two and a half over the Giants. Missed on that one. I really thought Dallas's offense would do better than it did. Um, just kind of fell apart. Uh, so that's on me. But 50% ain't bad. Uh, so this week, uh, locks of the week, uh, we got playoffs now. All right. So it's a little more interesting. Uh, we got Tampa versus Washington. The over-under is set at 46.5. I think the under will hit here. I don't think Washington can score many points. Their offense is kind of ho-hum. And I think if you get pressure on Tom Brady, he's not quite the same quarterback. So the football team is very good at getting pressure on the quarterback with Chase Young back there. So I think it will be a low-scoring contest. Next one, Ravens versus Titans over 54. Now this is going to be a high-scoring contest uh you know ravens uh are running the ball like crazy derrick henry's averaging near 200 yards over these past few games and i think both offenses go crazy i the strength of each team is not their defense titans defense definitely not i mean they'll probably let up 40 by themselves so i think it'll be a pretty high scoring game so from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always an online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so as we go through these bowl games, it is pretty obvious to see that the SEC is the toughest conference. Uh, six and two in bowl games. The only losses we had were, you know, teams opting out a lot of their guys. So, I mean, it's it's just a testament to how football is just more important down south. It really is, and we get some of the best guys out of the entire country and. I just don't see any other conferences really competing. I mean, this is the reason why I said the SEC could win every bowl game. I mean, they can. And they would have if, you know, certain players didn't opt out. So, uh, Mississippi State versus Tulsa. 
first one up. Mississippi State wins 28-26. Um, you know, Tulsa was supposed to be the second-best team in their conference. <laughs> and number 24-ranked team, Mississippi State has three wins on the season. Uh, just horrible, horrible team. I mean, right along with UT. I played awful all year. And they still beat them. And the big story from it is the dumb fight at the end, which is so annoying because Mississippi State, you have three wins. And you beat Tulsa. Tulsa. It's not like you beat Oklahoma, Texas, USC. You didn't beat a big-name team. You beat Tulsa. So why are you hooting and hollering? Why are you getting up in their face, flexing over top of them? That's Bush League at best. And I've looked into the freaking hurt guy, DeMonte Russell. He's a defensive end. He was hurt from a car crash that he had. So he wasn't playing in the game. He was just standing there with the jersey. He was the one who made it even worse. He started throwing punches at people. But he has one tackle in his career. Sit your butt down. Don't come over here. You are saying I'm more important than the team. I'm going to throw on this guy for no reason. What is that? You have one tackle. You're a nobody. You're a redshirt freshman. Be quiet. Sit on the bench. There's a reason why you you only have one tackle. Okay? Go ahead and sit on the bench. Don't get up off that bench. Don't try and jump into a fight that has nothing to do with you. Literally make it worse for the rest of your team. And, I mean, the whole game was boring until the fight. I mean, the fight literally made... The game interesting and made people pay attention to that Mississippi State and Tulsa were actually playing. It just kind of sucks with the playoff system now. I mean, it's just ruined all the other bowls. A lot of people don't care unless their team is the actual one that's playing in the bowl. And it really makes it it almost null and void. Like, who gives a crap about these bowl games? But on to the next one. NC State versus Kentucky. NC State's ranked. NC State is ranked number twenty-three. Kentucky beats them twenty-one twenty-three. Another team in the ACC that's supposed to be really good, you know, top four or five team in the ACC, and they get beat by our lower four or five team in the SEC. I mean, the ACC went zero and six in their bowl games. They didn't win a bowl game at all. The quarterback for NC State had three interceptions. I mean, that's what does it. Kentucky's been great at it all year, um, taking the ball away from quarterbacks. So they take advantage. And it's crazy how one-dimensional Kentucky is. They had 281 yards rushing and only 99 passing. And they still are able to win some games. I mean, you know exactly what they're going to do. It's almost like the Baltimore Ravens. Like, hey, you know they're going to run the ball with Lamar. And defensive coordinators still struggle to stop it. It's own, I mean, Kentucky really has to work on their quarterback position just like us, obviously. Um, I think they're okay on defense, but if they get an actual quarterback in there who can throw the ball, um, not necessarily like a glorified wide receiver at quarterback, they could be a really good team. They can actually win a good amount of games. So, we just need to be on the lookout for that. If they sign a big-time recruit at quarterback, mm-mm, not good for us. Uh, so next game up, Auburn versus Northwestern. Northwestern's number 14. They uh, beat Auburn 19-35. to 
I mean, this is one of those games I said before, I, I didn't know if Auburn could win this because their head coach, gone. So, Bo Nix is so sporadic. Uh, Bigsby, their you know, best running back, freshman, he gets put on COVID list. He can't be there. They rush for 61 yards total. I mean, there you go. If you don't have a running, if you're not balanced at all, you got to depend just on Bo Nix. It's not going to work for you. And you had some guys, you know, opt out for the season once Gus Malzahn was gone. And, you know, they're entering the transfer portal, which, I mean, makes sense, I guess. If you went there for the coach and you want to leave, you want to go somewhere else because, you know, now you don't want to fight again for another coach and all that kind of stuff. I get it. But if there's any advice that I can give to high school recruits, it's not go to a school for the coach. I have plenty of experience in that. Two head coaches, three offense coordinators, three O-line coaches. You don't go to a school for the coach, okay? Coaches leave. Even in Alabama, Nick Saban's been there forever, but how many offense coordinators and defense coordinators has he had? And how many of those guys bring in their own guys? You know, uh, linebacker coaches and, and O-line coaches that they like. So that's what I'm saying is it. you cannot pick a place on a coach. you got to pick the place on the people that are there, the campus, the school, the environment, the tradition, the other guys that are going to be signing with you in the class if you're friends with them because you'll be friends with them forever. Those are good reasons to pick a school. You should never pick a school because of a coach. And I know that's the one thing that sells you the most on the school is the actual coach talking to you. Never pick a school on a coach. Coaches will leave. It will always happen. You'll always lose the coach that you like the most. Uh, I mean, rarely ever are good coaches going to stay in the same spot. So that's what I just, you know, try and give out. (laughs) So that way you avoid the whole transfer portal thing and, and, you know, you don't have to try and start over. But uh, next game, Ole Miss versus Indiana. Indiana's number 11. Ole Miss beats them 26-20. I mean, this is honestly the best defensive performance versus Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin has just been, you know, 40, 50 points. I mean, even versus Bama. So to hold them to 26 points is is really good by Indiana's defense. I will give them that. Um, you know, Ole Miss didn't have Elijah Moore. So that makes a huge difference. That's their number one playmaker. It's probably the reason why they only scored 26 points. I feel like he's good for seven by himself. Um, and, I mean, Indiana loses their shot at the Big Ten title. They're pissed off. They changed the rules so the Ohio State could get in, so Ohio State could make it to college football playoffs. And everyone plays because they're mad. They want to prove something. They want to say, hey, we should have been in the Big Ten championship. That was our opportunity to win a Big Ten championship and, you know, hang that banner. And they come out and lose to Ole Miss, who had four wins on the season. What? This You're supposed to be the second best team in the Big Ten, and this is how you perform? I mean, that's what I was saying. Last week, I just don't trust Big Ten teams. I don't think they can keep up with SEC talent. And these games were close, but, like, 
bro, it's Ole Miss. Ole Miss isn't good this year. They're not a great team. They have a horrible defense. And you only score 20 points? And you're supposed to be literally you know, two or three in the Big Ten, and this is how you perform? It's insane. It's insane, this narrative that the Big Ten or any other conference can compete with the SEC. You really can't. And, you know, people say, well, well, you're just top-heavy. You just have Bama, and then LSU comes in there every now and then. You know, Auburn won one, Florida won one, you know, national champions. and You're very top-heavy, and the rest aren't that good. Well, these are the bottom of our conference. The bottom. Mississippi State, Kentucky, Ole Miss, the bottom of our conference. And they're still beating you. That's pretty insane. And you're the top of your conference. I just, I mean, I just love it because it makes a point that the SEC is really, really damn hard to play in. I just want people to understand that. I'm not rooting for these other SEC teams to win. I don't want to see them win. But at the same time, I want people to realize that this ain't easy. This is this is a tough, tough league. This is the the hardest conference in the nation by far. I'm just glad that this is known now, that this is being thrown out there, that people can see this. So, next game up, Texas A&M versus North Carolina. Texas A&M number five, North Carolina number thirteen. They win forty-one to twenty-seven. Uh, Texas A&M just exploded in the fourth quarter. It was a very close game. Um, you know, the long run by uh, Devin Acne really just changed it. It set like 76-yard touchdown run, you know, flipped it to where they're up 14 and made it almost impossible for um, North Carolina to come back. I mean, he's a freshman. And, he, I mean, he has not had any plays really all season. He goes 12 carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Wow. Look out for him in the future. And, I, I mean, Texas a is pissed off. They're pissed off that they didn't get into the playoffs. They only lost one game this year. I mean, they got something to prove. They're already a good team, and now they have a chip on their shoulder. This is a team you really have to watch out for next year. Uh, I, I mean, with how mad they are, how everything turned out, I knew that they were going to uh, come into this game balls to the wall and try and whoop up on North Carolina. And next year, I mean, they might they might win the SEC. Uh, they're a really good, balanced team. Um you know, I think they can control the ball well, which is good versus Alabama right now. They're just so high octane offense. I mean, they could they could really do it. They could really win the West and and get to the SEC championship. And I mean, that's their goal because they know if they get there, they'll get into the playoffs. And I, it's big big team to watch out for. I think they'll be ranked in the top five uh, starting next year. So next game, Georgia versus Cincinnati. Uh, Georgia number nine, Cincinnati number eight. Georgia wins twenty-four to twenty-one. Good thing Cincinnati didn't make the playoffs. Everyone talking about giving them a chance to make the playoffs, and they go out and lay an egg like this. I mean, they played well versus Georgia, but Georgia had eight starters out. Eight guys opt out to for NF starters, man. 
and two were on the O line. They were talking about the whole the whole broadcast, the whole day, how much pressure Cincinnati was getting on Georgia, how they weren't able to run the ball as effective. You have two offensive line starters out, so you have your backups in. There's a reason they're backups. They're not as good, and they're probably not as knowledgeable. So they don't know how to pick up blitzes. They don't see the blitzes coming. That's why Cincinnati was able to get out to the quarterback. That's why Cincinnati was able to stop the run. I, that's what happens. I mean, Georgia's depleted, depleted of their starters and still won the game. They even gave them chances. They had two huge red zone turnovers, two, that literally they were about to score and turn the ball over in the red zone. If they score both of those times, it's not even a game. So Cincinnati, man, I know you want to talk big and you know say you're a really good team and we should give them a chance to the playoffs. I don't know about that. Could you imagine Cincinnati if there was 18 playoff playing against Alabama? Woo-wee! They would have got crushed. It would have been so embarrassing. Alabama embarrassed Notre Dame, man. They would have, oh my goodness. I mean, 60 to 7. Easy. Second string guys would have been starting the second half for Alabama. I completely believe that. I just, I, I hate this opting out. I mean, it, if I'm a player, you lost two games in the regular season. You know you're not going to the playoff before, way before this bowl game is announced, way before you get on the play, you, you know. And the whole time you're like, I, I'm going to opt out, you know. I'm going to go and, and, dude, screw that. Grow a pair, have some pride the reason you picked that school, okay, is because you love that school. You've been there for four years, three years for some of those guys. You put so much effort into them, into winning, into being with your teammates, and you're not going to go out there and finish it? Not me. There's no way. There is absolutely no way. I would always finish. Leave it better than you found it. I just, I feel like it's an asterisk. I I don't know. I mean, if I'm a NFL GM, if I'm a coach, I kind of think of it as a cop out, man. Just like leaving your team behind. How how am I gonna trust you to be a team guy? You're just gonna opt out of week 17 if we're you know a bad team. We haven't won. We don't really have a chance at a playoff. You're just gonna opt out in the NFL. That's what it sounds like. That's what it seems like. So I can't take it. I would be pissed at my teammates if they did that. Pissed. But I guess that's how things are now. I mean, Jalen Smith, the linebacker for Notre Dame, you know, messed up his knee. I mean, he's highly, highly paid now with the Dallas Cowboys, but he was the one. I mean, that is the reason right there. Messed up his knee in a bowl game. But it was a freak accident. He stepped the wrong way. It wasn't even like he was on a play. He was making the tackle. Da, 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 just stepped the wrong way. You could do that working out in the offseason. Trying to prepare. You have the exact same amount of risk. That's happened to people before too. I just... I hate it. I really do. 
And it's a system that's been created and it's so flawed in so many different ways. And, you know, I could spend hours talking about it, but, uh, you know, only 30, 45 minute podcast. So, uh, next game, Florida versus OU. Florida's number seven, OU's number six. Um, Oklahoma wins 55 to 20. So this is the big opt out game, you know, even more than Georgia, 16 players were out eight starters for Florida. The other eight, you know, had playing time throughout the season. They weren't necessarily starters, but they played a little bit. And it's just like, have have some pride in what you do. I mean, there's a reason Kyle Trask played. He didn't have to. I mean, lead by example, I love it. I love the fact that he went out there and played, even though all of his receiving targets were out. The four leading receivers for this game for for Florida had 21 total receptions before this game. 21 total of four guys for the entire year had 21 receptions before this game. And they were his four leading receivers of this game. Insane. Go ahead and celebrate all you want, Oklahoma, that you beat Florida. But, geez, you understand, right? You know that that wasn't a real win. Let me tie my hands behind my back and then we can fight. You going to feel good about that? You going to feel good about that fight? That you really took it to me? My hands are tied? I mean, come on, man. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? (laughs) Beating up on an already beaten up team. A team without any of their stars playing. That's, (laughs) I understand you want to win a game, you want to win a bowl game, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'd want to go out there and win that bowl game. You know, get get the little bowl prizes that you get and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But, I mean, I wouldn't be rapping at the post-game thing because I just beat a beat-up team. Like, that's cool. (laughs) cool bro alright so now into the uh, college football playoffs we got Alabama versus Notre Dame 1 versus 4 Alabama wins 34 to 14 I mean this was the easiest game to understand the outcome everyone knew this was going to happen every time Alabama is on offense I mean just jaw dropping plays every single time Najee Harris jumping over the guy Devontae Smith, the toe drag in the end zone. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The things that they're able to do, the athletes that they have, everyone's watching. I mean, so many times I was like, what in the world? How in the heck did that happen? How did that guy do that? That is amazing. So many times throughout that game. And I just... I want that to be us. I want that to be UT. I want there to be jaw-dropping plays. I want my mouth to be wide open and thinking, oh my gosh, I've never seen something like that. That happened a few times when I was when I was playing there with, you know, Dobbs and and Alvin, um, Cordero Patterson, Evan Berry. There was some jaw-dropping stuff that happened, and we got to get back to that. Feel like it's falling off a little bit. I need some athletes out there to make some plays. 
It's not always about the X's and the O's. Sometimes it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. You need to go out there and perform. But, uh, <laughs> you know, Saban was pissed that they scored uh, late. Uh, you know, made it 14 points. And he's integrated. It, it's like it's like Kobe when he was up 2-1 in the finals. And they asked him, like, are you not happy? He's like, what's there to be happy about? It's not done yet. We're only up 2-1. we got to win four games. What's there to be happy about? It's the exact same mentality of these players. They won that game. They're standing up on the podium. Smirks. They aren't hooting and hollering. They aren't excited. They're not standing up there rapping. They're standing in a line. Arms in front. Can't wait for the next game. Ain't nothing to celebrate yet. Which is exactly what you want out of your team. I mean, Nick Saban, it doesn't matter if he is good X's and O's coach. It doesn't matter. He's a good former of men, a good sculptor of a program, a good leader of mentality. That's what he's able to do. He's able to get these guys to buy in. It's the reason he couldn't make it in the NFL because you can't make guys who are grown men, 35 years old, some, you know, 30 to 40 year olds making more money than you to buy into what exactly you're saying and do every little thing that you tell him to. You can't do it. That's why he's never he would never be successful in the NFL. Now, 18 to 22-year-olds? Oh yeah. They don't know better. They understand that they're not as knowledgeable. They still respect the people older than them. So, they're going to buy into what you say. And He's done a really good job of that. <laughs> there, I mean, there was a question. Uh, one of the reporters asked Mac Jones if he had gotten a speech ready for the Heisman. And he just straight up said, that's a rat poison question. Meaning, he's not trying to get ready for the Heisman. He's concentrated on now. He's concentrated on winning a national championship. That's what he cares about. It was perfect. It was a perfect answer to that question to say this is something that will cloud my mind that will make me think that I am really good and make me not work as hard. He wants a chip on their shoulder on his shoulder and I think all the Alabama players have one even though they win so much. That's why they're so successful. They're not complacent. They have a chip on their shoulder at all times. They think they suck. They think they need to get better. That they have to get better. That's what you want out of players. You don't want them to think that they have arrived. Think that they're the best since sliced bread. Which is a lot of times what happens with these five stars in high school. Because every coach comes up to them and says, You're great, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're amazing, you're amazing. Thank you for being here. I really want you to come here. We love you. You're awesome, you're awesome. And then they get there and they think, Well, I am awesome. I should be able to do what the heck I want. It should be about me. I should get more targets as a wide receiver. I should be able to. I should start right away as a quarterback. That's not how it works. That's not how life is. You got to work for what you want. You got to put the time in. You got to think that you suck. That's the only way that you're going to progress. 
If you think you've made it, if you think you've arrived, you haven't. That's exactly when you have not made it. So Nick Saban's done a great job with that. Hopefully we can get a few guys like that in the UT program moving forward. And then one more game. Obviously, I wanted to go over, not an SEC game, but the other playoff game, Ohio State versus Clemson. Uh, so Ohio State wins 49-28. to Honestly, unexpected. You know, people didn't think Clemson was that good, or Ohio State was that good this year. Uh, you know, only playing set six, seven games. I thought Clemson was going to route him, man. I thought Trevor Lawrence would come back. I thought he would do a you know, really good job. I mean, he still, you know, threw for 400 yards and did pretty well. But it wasn't able to get it done. Um, you know, how State made them look mundane. And, I, I, yeah, just how it was. Ohio State came out to play. They were, they were pumped. They were ready. And maybe Clemson was looking ahead to Alabama. I don't know. I don't know. But. The penalty, oh boy, that unsportsmanlike call, the targeting on the starting linebacker for Clemson was the most egregious thing I've ever seen in my life. I cannot believe they called that a targeting. It makes absolutely zero sense to kick that man out of the game because of that. What else would you like him to do? He's going for his midsection. He's not trying to make a dirty play. He's trying to lower his shoulder into him, and Justin Fields spins towards his head. He literally spent towards the guy's head to where his head hit him in the ribs. And to say the guy needs to move his head a certain way, da, 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 this is football, a very, very fast sport. Literally, we judge the speed of everyone at the end of the year. Because we want the fastest. And you want him to make a split second decision to move my head out of the way. But guess what? If I do that, I could also miss this tackle. This man could that I'm competing against could get a first down. He could run me over. He could succeed when my whole job is to make sure he doesn't. It's the most idiotic rule. They need to revamp it for sure. I don't know exactly what they need to do, but a good thing would probably be like roughing the kicker, an accidental or a purposeful roughing the roughing the kicker, where it's five yards or fifteen yards, something like that. And don't kick the man out of the game. Kick him out with two. How about two of the personal fouls? Then you can kick him out. But man. I, I mean, for a play like that, you're going to kick him out of the game. He didn't stand over him and taunt him. You know, he he wasn't, you know, push off of him or anything like that. He just tried to make a tackle. He tried to do exactly what he is there to do, to make a tackle. And you kicked him out of the game. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I think it really did shift it. I, I mean, he's the leader on defense. He wasn't playing when they lost in their game. So both games that they've lost, he was out of the game. I, I I mean, he's your starting middle linebacker. He's the leader on your defense. It's a big deal. Uh, it's just crazy. And, you know, a lot of people, now that the season's over for Clemson, 
and Trevor Lawrence is, you know, is he going to come out? Is he going to be the first pick? You know, he seems like unanimous first pick. And, you know, people are saying he's the best prospect to ever come out of college. Uh, he's done the best of any quarterback in college. And I just, I just don't believe that. I don't necessarily believe that he is leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. There's been some amazing players that have been here. And not always you being great in college means you're going to be great in the NFL. And I looked up some stats. And I want you to tell me which career, college career, or player you would like on your team. Okay? So player number one is 66.6% completion percentage, has 90 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, 10,098 yards passing, played in 40 games, is 38-2, and two, and has one national championship. Player number two is 67.1% completion percentage, so a little bit better, 74 touchdowns, to 15 interceptions, so there's not as many touchdowns, not as many yards. He's 8,630. He played in 40 games, was 36-4, and four, and won two national championships. So he won more championships. He had 978 pass attempts, and player number one had 1,138 pass attempts. So... Quite a bit more uh, pass attempts for player number one. Which one would you rather have? Would you say it's a toss-up? Would you say, oh, there's a huge difference. I would definitely rather have player one. Or I would definitely rather have player two. I don't know. Player two has two national championships. Player one only has one. 36-4 versus 38-2. and two. Not that big of a difference. Player one is Trevor Lawrence. With 1,138 more pass attempts, he had a worse completion percentage than player two, who was A.J. McCarron. Played the same amount of games. A.J. won two national championships. Trevor won one. Sometimes it's the people around you, man. I mean, the receivers Trevor's been throwing to over the past three years are all really good players and are all going to be really good players in the NFL. I just think it's a little overhyped. I mean, I know he fits the prototype, the 6'6", lanky, tall, can has some mobility, can throw a good spiral, blah, blah, blah. But to say that he is leaps and bounds above everyone else, I mean, A.J. McCarron was seen as a ho-hum guy in college, and he has very comparable numbers to him. And he was, a, I mean, I think he's still like a third-string quarterback in the NFL. So maybe the ACC is just a lot easier than the SEC. Maybe that's what happened. The same amount of games started, and those are the numbers. I just don't see so much hype behind Trevor Lawrence where he's like this generational talent is amazing you sometimes you just don't know these things i think he's good i think he will be good but i think he had a little help 
I mean, give some credit to them wide receivers. Give some credit to the offensive coordinators. I think he had a little help. Just like A.J. McCarron did. That's why no one took him serious. Because he had a really good running back and really good wide receivers. And everyone thought it was them and not him. And, you know, he wasn't the reason why they won games. I mean, Clemson usually wins games by 30 points. You think it's just all Trevor Lawrence? I don't. I don't think so. I think their defense has been a big reason, too. I just want to leave that little nugget with you so you can think about that. That he's not that much better than A.J. McCarron when you look at the stats. <laughs> a third-string quarterback in the NFL. Oh. But let's get into some investigation talk with... UT football. So the investigation seems to be getting more and more serious. Um, UT has now gotten a lawyer on retainer because obviously something's going on. Uh, and it, it doesn't look good. Uh, you know, NCAA being so heavily involved, um, you know, people are saying that it, it's been obvious that Tennessee's been cheating. Uh, giving money out to people. And I said last podcast, I think everyone does cheat. I think everyone gives out money. Um, You know, it just sucks getting caught, and it it could be for a reason. Uh, You know, I've been talking to different people, and um, someone showed me this off of a, you know, just a internet chat group. Now, these are all rumors and, uh, there's no, you know, hard evidence on any of this, but like reading through it, it does kind of make sense uh, to a degree. Uh, so there's a few points on here. One, Fulmer uh, still likes to act like he's a head coach. He meddles into everything, uh, wants to control, you know, personnel, practice, uh, planning for the games. That makes sense. I mean, Fulmer is a former head coach here. Uh, he thinks he knows more than most other people, I'm sure. And he had success here. So, I mean, I could understand that happening. I could see that happening. Him uh, wanting to be more involved in the actual coaching scheme and Pruitt hating it. I mean, you get hired to do a job. You don't want, um, you know, someone over you meddling. It's, it's the worst. Uh, and apparently the coaching staff is all divided. Uh, you got, you know, T, Martin, and, and Jay Graham, they're Fulmer's guys. They're always on his side. They're kissing up to him. Uh, then you got Pruitt, who brought his guys in, Friend, Nadermeyer, and Winky. And they're all in the other camp. And those two don't like each other. And then you got Derek Ainsley, Cheney, and uh, Felton, who just kind of stay out of everything. They don't want to be a part of it. They don't want to pick a side. And just, I mean, all of that really does make sense. I mean, you know, two guys are Fulmer guys. Some of the others Pruitt really wanted. And, you know, Ansley, Cheney, and, and, and Felton were, were guys that have been here before, um, weren't under uh, Coach Fulmer. They seemed like pretty good coaches and someone that we could bring in, but they didn't have a relationship with Pruitt. So it makes sense that they would be, you know, out of this huge divide. Um. You know, and, and uh, you know, Pruitt tries to micromanage Cheney uh, while, you know, 
T is on the other side of Cheney trying to like run his own thing because uh, he is vying for the offensive coordinator position and wants to take it away from Cheney. And apparently Cheney like doesn't even run some of the offensive meetings. Uh, you know, has either T or Pruitt running it. And that's not how it was when he was here before. He was our offensive coordinator. He's the one who ran the meetings. He's the one who told us everything we need to know. He's the one who corrected stuff from practice. He's the one who showed us their game records on defense. He was the offensive coordinator. And I think you just got to let people work. Because, honestly, this year told me that Chain doesn't know what he's doing. But every previous year from from this one, he was a great offensive coordinator. I always saw him as really smart. I thought he put us in good positions. I thought he was able to work with what he had very well. And this year seems so different. And I, I wasn't sure what was going on. I, I felt like some of the play calling was idiotic. And, you know, if Pruitt's the one that's meddling in it and T. Martin is also meddling and, you know, Cheney can't do his own thing, it makes more sense than him just falling off a random year. I mean, he had number one offense in Georgia uh, a couple years ago. He had number one offense in Tennessee history when he was here his last year. So, I mean, the guy can coach. Uh, and then, you know, he tells people around him he's going to be the head coach. Um, and, you know, Fulmer and a lot of boosters um, make Pruitt feel like an outsider. Uh, you know, the boosters are, are big Fulmer guys and girls, I'm sure, because he did such a good job when he was here before. So, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense that they would all be on one team and they can try and force Pruitt out. And, it, you know, all all of that, you know, being said, now, like I said, these are rumors. There's no facts necessarily behind them. But it would make it to where them reporting this on themselves would make sense. So you don't have to buy a, do a buyout with, with Pruitt. And I just the overall dysfunction and politics that are going into this is insane. I don't understand why this has to be so political and so dysfunctional. Get coaches that can coach. It's got to be you got to have this relationship and be this kind of person at this time and da 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 da. And that doesn't make for good football. This this divide. I mean. I understand these are grown men. They all have different personalities, different views in life. And, you know, they're not always going to see eye to eye. I know that happened when I was there. Uh, Coaches would get in arguments. They didn't like each other, you know. But you come together for a common goal. You think every player on that team likes each other? Really? There's a reason there's fights. It happens, but you let it go because you're trying to win. You're trying to win together. It's not about you. And I don't think coaches are necessarily seeing that. It's probably because their lives are on the line. To players, it's games that are on the line. It's it's being able to win, having a chance to win. To coaches, it's 
my livelihood, my kids getting into a good school, me providing for my family. So they don't back down. They stick to their guns. They don't compromise when they can. Which is just sad. Honestly, if you did, if you didn't, you know, think so highly of yourself, a lot of coaches are pretty arrogant about what they do. And, you know, you have to work so, so much and so hard to be a coach that it, I guess it gives you that, that, that confidence that I know exactly what I'm doing. I, I, I don't need anybody's help. I, uh, I know how to run exactly what I want to run. And it's not good for a team dynamic. It's really not. And that's what a coaching staff is. It's a team dynamic. It's just not good for it. I would hate if this is what's going on because it points in the direction of hiring friends instead of hiring good coaching, which is horrible. I don't want T. Martin to be an offensive coordinator for us, a head coach for us, whatever, because he's T. Martin, because he won a national championship, because he played under Fulmer. I want him to be that because he's a good coach, because he knows how to run an offense. He knows what plays to call versus what defenses. He knows how to read a defense very well. He knows how to break down film on different players. He understands how to develop our own players. That's the reasons why you should have a coaching job, not because you know a guy or played under a guy. And this buddy-buddy system, you know, through coaching is ridiculous. It's the reason why teams lose, man. you got to hire the best, not your friends, not your family. The best. Mm, boy. I mean, it's really annoying if that's if that's what it is. If it's just hiring friends and hiring, you know, other guys that, that you know, played for you. And that's how... Phillips running this I just you can't do it like that man I really believed in you I, I really want to believe in you I think you did a great job here at UT I don't I didn't want you to get fired in the first place and I thought yeah him being an AD he can do some work here and be able to take us to the next level but if if that's the way you're hiring people you know if that's the reason you're firing people because they don't necessarily agree with you and your personnel choices you're not the head coach that's you cannot run a program like that. You really can't. You can't be biased towards different people because they played underneath you and got you a national championship. You can't do it. Got to be impartial. So, really hope that's not it. If it is it, uh, there could be a big change. There could be a big change, and I don't even know if it's a good change because if it's promoting T. Martin to offensive coordinator and, you know, getting somebody else in or whatever. I don't know if that's good. I mean, there hasn't been anything that T. Martin has done in his coaching career that makes me think, oh, he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. Not None at all. So I really don't know if that's a good thing. Change. It might not be. We'll see. You know, we're still getting in some good recruits. I mean, we're number seven right now. Um, in the nation for our class. So that's exciting. Uh, you know, some of the transfers that have happened, DeAndre Johnson was another big one. But, uh, you know, DeAndre's let us down a few times this year. It's it's tough. And I think he kind of sees that 
he's done that and he's probably not going to play much. I mean, you make dumb penalties like that, no one wants to play you. So he transfers. I'm hoping that we can grab some other guys out of the transfer portal. That big tight end from LSU, you know, he played with Harrison Bailey, so hopefully they can reconnect. He can come in here and and, um, impact our game plans because that's the way we need to run our offense is – you know, running, running the ball, running the ball downfield, power counter, then hitting some play action, getting that tight end across the middle, big tight end like that. That's a great offensive game plan. So we'll see how it works. But uh, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you coming out. Uh, please rate and subscribe on all of your uh, podcast listening platforms. Follow me on social media, Kyler Kerberson, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, go to make some bets on Bet Online. Check out Believe Podcasts. Uh, leave me some messages on my social medias or call that number that I have on my profiles. And let me know some questions you might want me answering. And as always, go Vols! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.